Well, the Orioles haven't made a major league signing since the last time we spoke, but there's some rumors swirling. Mike Elias, Brandon Hyde are talking, and some other teams are certainly getting the market started. And we'll break that all down coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, December 7th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we've got an Orioles news and notes pod for you because the O's have not made another major league signing since picking up Kyle Gibson on the one-year $10 million deal over the weekend, but... They've certainly been involved in some rumors that we've seen over the past couple of days. And it looks like, hopefully soon, the Orioles are going to make a move. Plus, Mike Elias has spoken with the media twice, and Brandon Hyde once. Scott Boris has talked about the O's. It's all happened, really, in the last day or so. We'll talk about all the reaction from all those Orioles rumors. Plus, a little bit about Nomar Mazzara, who the Orioles brought in on a minor league deal on Tuesday. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Subscribe wherever you listen to the pod. Leave a five-star rating and a review if you can. And we're still going daily throughout the next couple of weeks. And then after that, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, having the entire Orioles offseason covered for you right here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. So let's jump right into it with the Orioles news and notes. And really, let's start with Mike Elias because I actually recorded Tuesday's episode on Monday evening. Basically finished recording right before Mike Elias spoke to the media on Monday night. And then, luckily, he spoke again to the media on Tuesday. And a lot of interesting things that he said that I just kind of wanted to break down here on the podcast. Kind of the first thing that he talked about and Brandon Hyde talked about was that John Means is down in Sarasota. He's throwing, and, and Brandon Hyde talked about how good he looks already. Now, again, just your John Means update here on December 7th. He's not going to be ready for opening day. It would be great, but... I would target somewhere around June, maybe even July, probably June, to get John Means back into that rotation. Again, remember, he had that Tommy John surgery in late April. You're usually at least 12 months and generally more like 13 or 14 months before you return to a major league mound. That's probably what we're looking at for John Means, so just make sure to hold the brakes. Do not expect him at all to be back for opening day, but a really big thing that he's looking good in his rehab. Now, Kind of the first thing Mike Elias had talked about, really, and this was more in his Monday Night Presser, was about the liftoff comments that he made specifically after the Orioles had traded Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez at the trade deadline, didn't really add to the team, a team that was in a playoff race, and the Orioles eventually missed the postseason. He talked about how it would be liftoff this offseason for the O's. They would expand the payroll, and they're going to, just from arbitration, just from the fact that you know they gave out $10 million to Kyle Gibson. That's the biggest free agent contract that Mike Elias has given out as Orioles GM so far. But you could definitely tell from Elias's words that he was backtracking a little bit on the liftoff statements. He talked about how the free agents they'll bring in will be more to supplement the team. He's not going to block the the young players. And, you know, he said liftoff was more about the next few years for the Orioles 
not necessarily this offseason right now going big. And, and that's something he's talked about even before this week, saying the Orioles aren't going to go directly from 0 to 60 this offseason. They're going to ease their way into the free agent spending, getting get back to competing. I get all that. But if you still have a chance to bring in good players, you got to bring in good players in free agency because that's what the good teams do. The teams that win championships help their team in free agency as well. But a couple other things that Elias talked about. He did talk about kind of needs for the team. He said our on our wish list is to get another starting pitcher. And even after the Orioles signed Kyle Gibson, you know, as I talked about on Monday's episode, he's just kind of a supplemental pickup. A guy who's going to be the Orioles' fourth or fifth starter this year, veteran guy, eat innings, just a better version of Jordan Lyles is what I talked about. And again, go back and listen or watch Monday's episode to get the full breakdown of why Gibson really is just that better version of Lyles. For the Orioles, he said specifically the club would love to have a left-handed pitcher, citing the way that the ballpark is formed now. And, of course, Carlos Rodon would be a great, great fit there. We saw Andrew Haney, another lefty, go off the board on Tuesday as he was signed by the Texas Rangers. But certainly, Rodon would be the guy right now that we're all kind of looking for. And he also talked a little bit about trades. He said, you know, we have the farm system to make a trade. Talked about the prospect depth that the Orioles, you know, gives them the flexibility to go out and get major league talent via trade. That was nice to hear from Mike Elias. And something he also said on Tuesday, which I definitely thought was interesting, was he talked about how the Orioles had had conversations about trades that involved major leaguers on both sides. Maybe not necessarily one-for-one big leaguers, but trades in that general vicinity. And we know there had, you know, been some... Not trade talks, but media outlets, you know, trying to put together fake trades or put together trades they would like to see. And we saw a couple places, a trade that looked like, you know, Cedric Mullins for Pablo Lopez straight up with the Marlins. O's get top of the rotation pitcher. Marlins get a top of the order bat uh, who can really help their outfield that just has failed to hit for years now. And that trade makes sense, but I kind of like what Elias said about it. And, and he commented on those kind of trades saying he's a little hesitant to make moves like that because he doesn't want to take away major league guys from the team that are going to help them win now, even if it means, you know, helping a deficit on the team like the starting rotation right now. And I think when you combine that quote from Tuesday with the quote from Monday about how, you know, he's aware of the depth they have in the farm system, the ability to make a trade, I think it shows that the O's are willing to make kind of a bigger splash in the trade market. So what I will say, if the O's leave the winter meetings or the next couple of weeks or we get to the new year and the Orioles haven't brought in another, you know, at least solid to big name starting pitcher to go on top of Kyle Gibson, it'll be a little disappointing, but I wouldn't worry yet because it's starting to feel like if the O's miss on a Carlos Rodon or a Jameson Tyone, who we'll talk about, that they may pivot directly to making a trade to get a starting pitcher who's really going to help that rotation. That's kind of what I took out of Elias's words this week. So he definitely, you know, backed off from liftoff, and, and you could tell a little bit. Elias probably wishes he hadn't used that liftoff phrase and said what he said. I think he realized after he made the Mancini and Lopez trades that there was a lot of fan blowback because the Orioles were in a playoff race and they traded two of their more important players so far in the 2022 season and didn't add to the major league team on the other side. And he wanted to curry a little favor with the fans and say that, don't worry, we will add in the offseason. We'll be a full go in 2023. It still could happen but I think he's realized whether it be that the Angeloses are not giving him the budget he wanted or he's just realizing maybe that excited the fans a little too much more than what the actual plan was for this offseason. Whatever it may be, 
He's trying to walk that back a little bit, and I understand why it's disappointing, obviously. I want to see liftoff. I want to see the O's go for it completely this offseason. But I think this is a case of him just walking it back a little bit from what he's initially said. And he's had to walk back some things. You know, when he traded Mancini, he cited the reason that, you know, the Orioles, he just felt like weren't ready to make the playoffs yet. That pissed off the players and the fans. He had to walk that back. And he said, you know what, I do think we're going to make the playoffs just to kind of save face. But it was definitely interesting to hear some of the things he said. We'll talk about some other things that he talked about in a bit, just when we talk about some free agency rumors for the Orioles. But we also saw Brandon Hyde talk to the media as well. He was big on you know how good John Means was looking. Uh, he talked about the young core that he's so excited about, mentioned that Kyle Stowers is going to get a chance next year to be an everyday player for the Orioles and you know has a chance to win that job in spring training after Stowers did get a taste of it uh, in the big leagues at the end of this year. And there was also some talk from Mike Elias about Adley Rutschman and, and about his catching load next season, of course. You know, they took it pretty slow early, and then he was pretty much catching every day. He said kind of the, the upper bound, Elias said, would be for Adley to catch about 120 to 125 games next year, which is pretty on par with most catchers around the big leagues. JT Romuto, who... If Adley Rutschman isn't the best catcher in the game right now, it's probably Real Muto one and then Adley Rutschman number two at the moment. And Real Muto consistently is on the upper end of how much he catches for a star catcher. Real Muto caught 133 regular season games for the Phillies in 2022. So if Adley hits 125, he's basically right there. We know when he's not catching, most of the times he's going to be DHing. Elias said there's a, maybe a minute chance he could play a little first base as well just to keep his bat in the lineup even when you rest him. And again, remember, for people that were always upset with the Orioles Sunday lineups, every team in Major League Baseball sits their catcher on Sundays, especially if it's a day game after a night game. They set their catcher on most day games after night games, but specifically when you play a Friday night game, Saturday night game, a Sunday 1 o'clock game, every team across baseball at least has their starting catcher DH or even take the day off, and that's when they use the backup catcher. It's not abnormal. The Orioles are doing what everybody else is, especially to a young star catcher in Adley Rutschman to save his knees down the line, and he will still be in that lineup as a DH at times as well. But another person who spoke this week and mentioned the Orioles a little bit was Scott Boris, of course, the agent who at times really controls Major League Baseball free agency. And in terms of agents, I mean, probably across the world of sports, probably nobody better known than Scott Boris. And he certainly talked about the Orioles, you know, when he held court on Tuesday, a little more than he has over the past few years at the winter meetings and at other events in general. And coming up next, we'll talk about Boris's comments, some of the or other Orioles rumors when it comes to trades and free agency, and what it could mean for the coming days for the O's as they look to add to this team here this offseason. But first, this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. At Locked On Orioles, we believe home should be where you and your family feel safest, especially over the holidays. This season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On Orioles listeners 40% off a new security system. But don't put this off. Here is why we love it. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify that the threat is real. So you can get higher priority police response. 
And the 24-7 professional monitoring service, it costs under a dollar a day, less than half the price of traditional home security systems. And they've got a top-rated app at Simply Safe as well. You can do everything for your security system right from your phone. Honestly, it just makes it so, so easy. So don't miss your chance to save big on our favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So the Orioles haven't made a major league signing since the Kyle Gibson deal on Saturday, but They've added a couple of minor league players who we will get to at the end of the pod. Actually just announced a minor league signing as I'm recording, as I'm doing the ad read. Infielder Josh Lester joining the Orioles on a minor league deal. They also added Nomar Mazzara. We'll talk about both those guys at the end of the episode. But there's been some rumors swirling about the Orioles. And we talked about them briefly on yesterday's episode. But wanted to get into a few of them. And, and the first thing I want to talk about is Scott Boris. Because he's the number one agent in all of baseball. Represents most of the best players in the game. And he held court, as he always does at the winter meetings on Tuesday. A bunch of reporters around him. He does his little jokes, his little puns, and talks about his clients. And he talked about the Orioles. And, you know, he said the Orioles are now birds of prey and they're becoming feathered or whatever he said. And at the end of the day, it was a lot more than you usually hear from Boris about the O's. He said him and Mike Elias had been in contact about many of his clients. And Mike Elias, who talked later in the day Tuesday, said the same exact thing. He said that he had been in contact with Boris about multiple of his different clients in terms of a free agent contract this offseason. And Scott Boris represents a lot of big names. He also represents some smaller name free agents as well. But when you look at kind of his three big clients who are left on the board as of the time I'm recording right here, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday night, Carlos Rodon, Xander Bogarts, and Carlos Correa, the three biggest clients out there for Scott Boris right now. And at least in, you know, guys who could be connected to the Orioles. And you have to think the O's have got to be checking in with all of those guys. Now, specifically Carlos Rodon, we know the O's are at least in on him. John Heyman reported earlier in the week that the Orioles are one of eight to nine teams that are in on Rodon right now. And we're not sure if the O's have made an offer, but something that Mike Elias did say this week is that the Orioles have already met with eight different starting pitchers, mostly on Zoom. We know it was reported they had met with Noah Syndergaard. Obviously, they met with Kyle Gibson. They're attached to Carlos Rodon. You have to think that's three of the eight. And, of course, Mark Feinsand reporting the other day that the Orioles are one of four teams pursuing Jamison Tyone, along with the Mets, Phillies, and Cubs. So that's the fourth guy. You'd have to think Chris Bassett is on that list. You know, Mike Elias mentioning that, you know, the fact that some of these guys rejected the qualifying offers, so they have that draft pick compensation attached to them, isn't exactly pushing the O's away from them. So there's five pitchers right there out of the eight that you would think the Orioles had contacted at this point. And... I mean, Rodon would be the guy. Uh, of course he'd be the guy. He's, you know, with Verlander off the board, with DeGrom off the board, he's the ace that's left. He's a tick down from Verlander and DeGrom, but he still had a dominant year with the Giants, coming off some dominant years with the White Sox, and he's still young. He's still got great stuff. He's going to command some big money. You know, we saw some free agents go off the board, and Andrew Haney, and especially Taiwan Walker on Tuesday night, got four years 
and $72 million from the Phillies. I think a lot more than most people expected Walker to get. He was a guy I talked about the O's could go after. So the starting pitching price is going up and up for the bigger guys as well, and guys like Walker are getting deals like that. So the O's have to be ready to spend if they want to get a Rodon or even a Tyone or a Chris Bassett who are still out there. But you got to go do it. You know, we've heard multiple reports, and Michael Elias say it himself, that the Orioles are going to go after another starting pitcher, and it's going to be a bigger name than Kyle Gibson, They just got to be ready to spend for it, and they have the money. They've got like the lowest payroll in baseball basically right now. Plenty of payroll flexibility. Go get those guys. It at least is cool to see the Orioles connected on some names here. Now, speaking of pitching, you know, we mentioned Kyle Gibson and talked about, you know, it is confirmed the $10 million deal for Kyle Gibson. And what we also do know is that, you know, we had heard that Gibson had an an exact deal from another team, one year, 10 million, and turned it down to take the Orioles deal. And Kent Rosenthal wrote over at The Athletic that Gibson cited the fact that the Orioles' new wall makes it a little easier for him. He had been prone to giving up some home runs. That should help him. He cited the great Orioles defense that is there. And he also cited working with Adley Rutschman, behind the plate. But one other thing we learned from Dan Connolly earlier this week is that that other one-year $10 million offer, people thought it was the Pirates because the Pirates, there was some reported interest with them and Gibson. And so you could understand, hey, you know, it's the Orioles and the Pirates. Well, the Pirates are going nowhere. The O's are at least trying to win now. So you can see why he signed with the O's. But it was the Toronto Blue Jays who were the other team, a team that right now I think everyone would agree is better than the Orioles and has a much better chance of winning the World Series in 2023 than the Orioles do. And if they were willing to give Gibson $10 million, they were willing to secure him a spot as their number five starter. And instead, he chose the Orioles. And I think that says a lot about where the O's are right now in this rebuild that a free agent for the same money, again, generally more money is going to get you somewhere. But when the money's the same, a veteran free agent chose them over an objectively better team with a better chance to win a World Series next year. I think that means a lot for the Orioles moving forward. Hopefully that same logic applies to the other bigger name free agents that the Orioles are going after, but definitely a a good thing. And the O's are going after some guys. Mike Elias also did say this week that the Orioles have already offered multiple multi-year contracts to different players. Mike Elias has not handed out a multi-year free agent contract since taking over as Orioles GM. Again, Jordan Lyles had the the option. Jose Iglesias had an option, but never a firm, secured multi-year deal. I hope that happens this offseason. That would be a first for Elias. He talked about you know they're looking for a starting pitcher, preferably a left-hander. They are looking still for a left-handed hitter and even maybe potentially adding a veteran reliever to the bullpen. Now, we've seen some of these guys go off the board already. Andrew Haney, as I mentioned, was signed. Taiwan Walker was signed. Of course, he's a righty, but just another starting pitcher you could go after. We saw Josh Bell signed with Cleveland. Cody Bellinger signed with the Cubs on Tuesday. There's a couple of left-handed hitting power options that we talked about with the Orioles. And one of the more intriguing relief guys on the market, Carlos Estevez, signed a deal with the Angels on Tuesday as well. So he is no longer out there. But still plenty of options for the Orioles. But it does kind of feel like as more and more deals came in on Tuesday that the O's may have to act, you know, just a little faster. And he also said they're going to go after, you know, that backup catcher in free agency to, to get some better production both offensively and defensively behind Adley Rutschman, much better than Robinson Torinos gave them this season. So that's something to look out for as well. And, and most of those guys are still out there on the market for the Orioles to 
choose their favorite. But that's kind of what's been going on. Again, you know, the O's I don't think are involved in the Aaron Judge sweepstakes. We all thought on Tuesday afternoon that Judge was signing with the Giants. John Heyman reports it, and then he took it back. There's still, it seems like, rumblings coming in that Judge is leaning towards the Giants over the Yankees. Again, as of about 9.30 p.m. on Tuesday, there were reports that maybe Carlos Correa would also be going to the Giants. Of course, Mitch Hanniger did sign with the Giants already, but they said they're looking for two outfielders, so it doesn't take Judge off the table at all. Interesting stuff going on, but uh, would be very, very funny. I'll say even hilarious uh, if Judge went to the Giants and left the Yankees. Man, if the Yankees don't pay Judge whatever he wants, that that place is falling hard. And uh, it's going to be funny to watch. Not going to lie. It's going to be funny to watch. But although the Orioles have not made another Major League signing yet since the Kyle Gibson deal, at least at the time of this recording, they did bring in two more players on minor league deals on Tuesday. That's Nomar Mazzara and Josh Lester. And coming up next, we are going to talk about those two guys and what they could bring to the Orioles next season if they can get themselves into the big leagues. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your sports betting action and info, all the lines, all the odds this December. Because as we know, bowl season coming up soon for college football. Just a, about a week and change away from the first bowl games. And they're going on all day, all the time. Get all the lines and all the odds at Bet Online. Plus every NFL game coming up every Sunday. Then you got the World Cup. You know, we are getting right here into the quarterfinals now. All the lines, all the odds there at Bet Online. Then you got college basketball. You got the NBA. You got the NHL. It's all going on at betonline.net. And if you like sports podcasts as well, which I hope you do if you're listening to this one, you can listen to those at betonline as well. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at betonline, where the game starts. So yeah, it's a, a little frustrating at this point. Tuesday night, 9.37 p.m. Eastern Time. Orioles have not signed a another big league free agent besides Kyle Gibson yet. Just kind of time stamping all this because you never know. I could record this. I could schedule this. I could go to bed. I could wake up. And because, especially because the winter meetings are over in San Diego three hours earlier, they could have made another signing. But, uh, and usually my phone uh, is on silent during the times that I record the episode, but I eh, left it on because you never know. And did get to see the Josh Lester signing. So let's start with that, with the two minor league guys that the Orioles brought in on Tuesday. And the first one I want to mention, which just broke as I was recording here on Tuesday night, is the 28-year-old infielder Josh Lester. Josh Lester. Not John Lester. Josh Lester. A left-handed batter who finally made his big league debut with the Detroit Tigers in 2022. Now, he only played in two games. He went 0 for 5 with three strikeouts, but he did get to the big leagues. Now, the Orioles bring him in, former 13th round pick, the Tigers in 2015 out of Missouri, and basically just climbed his way through the Tigers system. Finally got to AAA in 2019, couldn't quite break in to the big leagues, and then was in AA and AAA in 2021. Again, couldn't quite get into the big leagues, but had a little more success in 2022 in AAA and the Tigers just gave him a little bit of a chance. His AAA numbers 
in the 2022 season at age 27, 145 games, 621 plate appearances. So really a full AAA season with Detroit. Lester hit 246 with a 311 on base and a 479 slugging percentage. That's a 791 OPS. Now you're wondering why are the Orioles bringing this guy in? And I think it's a fair question. He's only hitting 246. He, you know, barely has played at the major league level, and he is 28. Well, it's all about the power. Josh Lester, 29 home runs last year in AAA to go along with 39 doubles. In 2021, when he split his year between AA and AAA, 32 home runs that year in the minor league. So back-to-back years with 29-plus homers, mostly at the AAA level, that is something. Now... He might have a little too much swing and miss in his game. And, you know, the defense has never specifically gotten him all the way to the big leagues. And there are some concerns. I mean, he's not getting a major league deal for reasons, obviously. But you like that raw power. And the Orioles certainly see something there. And again, with all the infielders the Orioles have, I don't see Josh Lester playing in the big leagues with the O's next year. But what he can be is a guy who can play third base, he can play shortstop, he can play first base. He's played all three positions actually a lot in the minor leagues. They've put him out in the outfield. He played left field and right field and second base. He was all around the diamond in 2022 in AAA Toledo. First base, second base, third base, left field, and right field he played for a significant amount of innings at each of those positions. So he's very versatile. Basically what Josh Lester is, He's a guy who's going to sit in AAA Norfolk for most of the year, unless he has an opt-out in his contract, play a lot of positions, fill in for some injured guys, be there in the lineup, you know, three or four days a week, just to be a depth piece in AAA. That's all this is. Unless he really breaks through something with that power, he's more of a depth guy, just in case guys get injured. And, you know, maybe it's a flyer because he's hit almost 30 home runs the past two years, then maybe he can figure something out. But I would see him staying in Norfolk the entire season. But the bigger name that the Orioles did bring in on a minor league deal on Tuesday is Nomar Mazzara. Now, I would assume that many more of you know of Nomar Mazzara. And in fact, I'm going to admit, I watch a lot of baseball. I had never heard of Josh Lester until five minutes ago. I certainly knew Nomar Mazzara. This came down much earlier in the day on Tuesday. Orioles signing the 27-year-old left-handed hitting outfielder to a minor league deal. Mazzara, who will be 28 in April. So next year will be his age 28 season. He's an interesting guy. He has been around the block a little bit. Now, he was in the big leagues for a nice little chunk in 2022 with the San Diego Padres. Played 55 games with the Padres last year, and in 171 plate appearances, Mazzara hit 264 with a 316 on base percentage of 352 slugging, only two home runs, and had a 94 WRC+. So he was 6% worse than the league average hitter in his time with the Padres. 6% walk rate, 23% strikeout rate, not anything amazing from the left-handed hitter. He plays right field and left field, can't really play center, and and is not a very good defender out there either. Was more of a DH type most of the time. He's been in the big leagues, but can play a little bit of the outfield enough that you can put him out there sometimes. Now, in AAA, pretty much a similar sample size with San Diego last year. 152 plate appearances, but Mazzara right now is way too good to be in AAA. That's why he's an interesting spot, because 
He's been in the big leagues with different teams since 2016. He's been around for a while, partial seasons, full seasons, up and down. But he's always shown since he's gotten to the bigs, he's way too big, way too good to be in AAA. And every time he goes to a new team, he goes to AAA. He's so good that they just have to give him a chance in the big leagues, and it keeps not quite working out. He hit 367 in 152 plate appearances in AAA for San Diego this year with a 454 on base and a 641 slugging. He had seven home runs and a 170 WRC plus in AAA. He was 70% better than your league average AAA hitter this year. So he basically dominated, but he just hasn't done it in the big leagues. You know, he had some moments when he first came up with the Texas Rangers. He was an everyday player with the Rangers for a little bit. But since then, he's also been with the White Sox, the Tigers, and the Padres. And in his seven-year MLB career, about 2,700 plate appearances, He's a career 256 hitter with a career 89 WRC plus in the big leagues. Not really anything special. He doesn't hit lefties well at all. Just a career 61 WRC plus against lefties. Not like he mashes righties either. Just really bad against lefties. But the reason why you take a chance on Nomar Mazzara, the why, why the team in the Padres that went to the NLCS last year gave Mazzara as many plate appearances as they did. Why you know he was still around with the Rangers when they were still winning some games. Why the White Sox brought him in is because you can't look away from the crazy exit velocity. Mazzara, kind of a similar player to Franchi Cordero, who the Orioles brought in on a minor league deal just a couple of days ago. And Mike Elias said about both of them, you know, potential platoon guys, but for now they're just depth in the outfield, and we'll see if they can earn a role on the big league team. You know, neither of them take up a 40-man spot right now because it's both minor league deals. They are low-risk deals. You just bring in as many minor league contracts as you'd like. But for Mazzara... He hit a home run a couple years ago in Texas that was measured at 505 feet, and at that point was the longest home run ever recorded via StatCast. He's got some crazy exit velocities in his time. In 2020, in the shortened season, when he was with the White Sox, he had a 49% hard hit rate, which was top 10 in the league. That was absurd. He wasn't an everyday player, but that's a crazy number. And he's just a depth option similar to Franchi Cordero, similar to Lewin Diaz, a couple of guys the O's have brought in late last week who has these traits where they hit the ball hard, a left-handed hitter that the Orioles are looking for, and it's low risk, and they've had flashes at the big league level before where you think, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe this could work out and we could finally figure it out where other teams haven't. And if it doesn't, you cut him loose or he plays in AAA most of the year. But I think, differing from Lester, who we just talked about, I think there's a chance we see Nomar Mazzara and Franchi Cordero in the big leagues at some point with the Orioles this year because they're looking for left-handed bats, maybe in the outfield, especially if Austin Hayes is still here and continues to struggle. It'll depend on what the Orioles do in the rest of free agency, but they don't add as much as kind of a DH corner outfield type. Mazzara and Cordero could play a factor. I don't see them being opening day guys, but if they're still around... They could maybe make an impact because at one point, Nomar Mazzara was like a trusted part of the Texas Rangers order. Not the same at this point, but he's still 27. Same thing with Cordero, still 28. Still got some good baseball in them, you hope. And if the O's can get them in with their development people, with their hitting coaches, it can finally make something consistently click for both of those guys. But that's what the Orioles have done. At this point, just shy of 10 p.m. on Tuesday night. Still just Kyle Gibson. Hopefully, though, hopefully. Carlos Rodon, let's let's speak it into existence. Wednesday, hopefully, is the day. The Orioles make the splash, sign Carlos Rodon, and it really is liftoff this offseason. Even though Michael Elias backtracked from that word, hopefully it can still happen 
here this winter. But either way, I'll be back here with you on the pod tomorrow, kind of wrapping up the winter meetings. They kind of come to a close tomorrow. But what really happens here on Wednesday is the Rule 5 draft. Now, the Orioles right now do have two open spots on the 40-man roster as I record, which means if they don't make any more moves before the Rule 5 draft, they could theoretically pick two players in the Rule 5. They will select 17th in the Rule 5 draft, just as they will in the MLB draft. The first ever MLB draft lottery took place on Tuesday night. The Orioles, unfortunately, did not get selected in the lottery, so they will have the 17th overall pick in the first round of the 2023 MLB draft, while the Pirates, once again, won the lottery and won the number one pick, despite having the third worst record in baseball this year. But again, the O's, most likely you would think, as they usually do, will take a Rule 5 selection, and we'll talk about who it is and what he could bring to the O's coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.